the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Up next on our Tuesday broadcast of Way of Grace. You and I are presently under a restoration and restitution process. What the gospel is, is the good news of God restoring that which was lost and stolen and defrauded. That's the good news of the gospel. Welcome. It's great to have you along for today's broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. We've been concentrating on chapter 3 of our verse by verse study of Acts. Hey, what does it take to be saved? Are there things that we can do, laws that we can follow? Obviously, the answers are no and no. You see, Jesus did it all on the cross, and we're saved by faith. One of the things that will be seen in an authentic convert to Christianity is repentance. With more on this now, here's Pastor Jesse in Acts chapter 3. He wants to reconcile both unto God in one body, that is the church, by the cross having slain the enmity thereby. Now, where is the reconciliation taking place? At the cross. You guys see that? Now, watch this now. So then this is something I have discovered after 35 years. There might be multitudes of people who profess to be Christian. Are you ready? We will have no authentic unity until our unity is found in the doctrine of the cross work of Jesus Christ. It is right there at the cross of Christ where our unity is discovered. Otherwise, our unity is a farce. If our unity is based on denominationalism, denominational tenets, or if our unity is based upon culture, or if our unity is based upon ethnicity, or if our unity is based upon youth or being older, if our unity is based upon gender, all of the political stuff that goes on today, that's a false unity. You will find all over the world where true brothers and sisters in Christ are to be that the one area where they will be seen to be really family is at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. Are you hearing me? Where we get the cross wrong, we are not family members. And it starts there and it builds from there. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. This is why he says, I am determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. What think ye of the crucified Christ? Who is he? What did he do? What did it accomplish? These things are very critical to authentic unity. Now, here is what he goes on to say. Watch this. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity by the cross, he came... And preached peace to you. Now Paul is speaking to the church at where? Ephesus. 
So he's not saying that Jesus literally came and preached peace. He's saying that Christ came by the spirit through the gospel in the ministry of the apostles. In other words, as Jesus said in the gospel of Matthew to his disciples, if they receive you, they've received me. And if they receive me, they've received him that sent me. Do you guys see that? This is what Jesus uh, stated very clearly to the apostles, giving, um, uh, giving um, apostolic authority to them. He made it plain, if they have received you, that's Matthew 10, 40, then they have received me. And, and uh, when we are given sound biblical teaching and when we are given a Christ-exalting theology, it is as if Christ himself is actually teaching you. For the Spirit of God came to do one thing, and that's to glorify him. John 16, 8, right? When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will take the things of mine and he will show them unto you. He will not speak of himself. The Holy Ghost does not go around talking about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost. That's not his job. That's not his M.O. That's not his insignia. His job is to point to Christ as it was the job of the Son of God to point to the Father. You guys remember, I came not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. That's what the Holy Ghost is saying about Christ. I didn't come to do my own thing, but the will of the one that sits on the throne that sent me to magnify him and make him a reality in the hearts of men and women. What a marvelous thing it is to be a lost sinner, to not know God, and then one day in the mystery of preaching for you to come to see Jesus as Lord. That's a marvelous work for the soul to come to see Christ as Lord. That's a marvelous work. It's an absolutely phenomenal work. And this is what's being stated here in verse 17. He came and preached what to you? Peace to you, which were far off. Who are those? The Gentiles. And to them that are not, who are those? The Jews. For through him, do you see Christ as the centrality of our access to God? For through him, the second person, we both have access by one spirit, the third person, unto the Father, the first person. These are Trinitarian claims. And the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost are three distinct persons. Be sure of it. Three distinct persons. We are not dealing with some kind of morphine of one entity. We are talking about the authentic, distinguishing identity of the Father over against the Son, over against the Holy Ghost. Though they are one in nature, they are distinct in person. And therefore, they are distinct in their work as well. The Father did not die for you. The Son died. The Holy Ghost did not go to Calvary for you. The Son did. You guys understand what I'm saying? The father did not send himself. He sent the son. And the son is back in glory right now, ruling over this universe. The son is the one who assumed the human nature and is seated at the right hand of God the father. Is he not? And and these are critical orthodox truths as well that are essential to understanding the cross work of Christ. It's absolutely phenomenal. And so that that first question that we raise is how... Um, he sends Christ how? He sends him through the preaching of the gospel. The next word I want to deal with, go back to our text now, is a very important concept that we're getting ready to get into in our Hebrew study. Unfortunately, the introduction to that is given to us here in our text as well. And that's the, the claim that Peter makes about the present position of Christ 
Here's what he says. This is an interesting concept of which it's important for us to retain. He says in verse 21, whom the heavens must receive until the time of what? Of what? Restitution of all things. So Peter has already said that there is a refreshing that would be taking place according to the prophetic word. That refreshing, we know, is the ministry of the gospel upon the parched souls of men and women, right? The analogy is that of the rain coming down. And as we said last week, it also speaks to God softening the hard heart. The warning, according to Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, around verse 13 or 14, is that if when iniquity abounds, the heart will wax cold, Right? We talked about the seven churches last week, which we will have a lengthy exposition on that somewhere around the uh, end of um, March or April. And we'll go into the summer with the seven churches. Jesus warned in the church of Ephesus that you have left your first love. And then he closes with the seventh church, Laodicea, saying that I would that you were either cold or hot. But because you are lukewarm, I am going to vomit you out of my mouth. And all of the language of Revelation is Old Testament Exodus terminology. All of the nomenclature and the terminology of the book of Revelation is Old Testament uh, nomenclature and phraseology that had to do with the Old Testament people because they were the prophetic priesthood that God was going to use to bring light to the world. Now the New Testament church adopts all of that language. And in Revelation 2 and 3, where he deals with the seven churches represented by the menorah, right? Represented, aren't the seven churches represented by the menorah? That is what we call the initiatory vision. In chapter one, and I saw one like unto the son of man standing in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. The menorah is the church of the living God represented by the seven churches of Asia Minor. You guys got the vision. These are multiplied symbolisms in order to teach us that the things that were taking place in the Old Testament have their reality in the new as we're learning in the book of Hebrews. So Jesus, the great high priest, is going through his churches, examining it for its health, which he does today as well. He goes through his churches in the ministry of the word of God by faithful preaching and teaching, examining the health of every candlestick. And so with the seven churches of Revelation uh, chapters two and three, he um, he warns them about making sure that there are the word that we want to look at now is the word restitution. Now, if you have had some criminal elements in your life like I have. Now, you may not have, so you might, we might let you go. But my, uh, my thug brothers know something about restitution. <laughs> so restitution is something we, we heard in the legal system a lot because there was theft and fraud in the violation of the civil code. And what the civil code required was when you took someone's property that you were to repay for the damages incurred against those properties taken. Are you guys hearing me? So restitution is a term or a concept that fundamentally means to restore. To restore. Now you'll notice, and I'll talk about this on Sunday, you'll see a prefix in front of all of these words 
And that prefix is R-E. You see that? Those are prefixes. You have suffixes, you have prefixes, then you have nouns, then you have verbs, and you have other things too, substantives and things like that. So a prefix is a prepositional phrase that's attached to a noun or a verb to actually give it color and connotation and to strengthen it. For instance, the root word to restore is the word what? Store. The root word to restitution is to stand. Okay? Stand. And what the idea is, is to restore or to reposition that which was initially standing that was taken away. Are you guys hearing me? In fact, the, those two words, restore and restitution, as you're going to see as we go through the scriptures, are really one and the same. In some of your Bibles, some of your translations, the word is restoration. Anyone has a restoration in their Bible? There you go. So mine is restitution. Yours is restoration. They're both good words. Okay, so, so in the class, you're going to learn some things. You're reading an English Bible. The original language was Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew. So you and I are dealing with translations. In any kind of translation, you're dealing with a dynamic crossover from an original language to now an adopted language, a cognate language, or a host language. Our host language is English. And no two languages are so semantically equal or syntactically equal that you can maintain a one-to-one ratio of transition from that language to the other language without a potential loss of meaning. Because words are rich in their context, but they often can be lost in terms of their nuance and richness when they get carried over from one language dynamic to another. Am I making some sense? The English language, we would call the English language a very practical language. It's very functional. Uh, It works, and this is why the English language is one of the most prominent uh, languages around the world. You guys following what I'm saying? So almost every culture will learn English because it becomes easy to learn and it becomes a universal way of communicating with people. Uh, This is not so with certain dialects and certain uh, ethnic groups. The dialects are hard. One of the hardest dialects is your Semitic languages. The Hebrew language is so filled with nuance, it's really hard to carry it over into English. And so it would be with other languages as well. So I'm saying when you read your English Bible, you are actually trusting in the grammarian's ability to give a faithful translation of what was in the original language over in the English language. So when you have a multiplicity of English Bibles, some Bibles will have slightly different words. But if you have just a little bit of interest in um, grammar, what you can easily do is reconcile why one word is restitution and another word is restoration. Am I making some sense? You will find that they are cognate or what we call family terms. They are family words. They're in the same family. So, So we're not talking contradiction. We're talking nuance. Does that make some sense? They're in the family. And the family. And so uh, when, uh, when, when Peter says this, whom the heavens must receive until the time of restitution of all things, which God had spoken by the mouth of all of his holy prophets since the world began, here's what he's saying. 
We are presently under a restitution or restoration process. I want that to resonate with you because I'm going to unpack that just a little bit tonight. Develop it more on Sunday. You and I are presently under a restoration and restitution process. What the gospel is, is the good news of God restoring that which was lost and stolen and defrauded. That's the good news of the gospel. So let's work through the implications. You and I are part of not only a humanity that is under restoration, under restitution, but a universe that's under restoration and under restitution. You and I are part of a salvific process that encompasses the whole of the cosmos. So, like when you guys use the term, I'm saved. You know how we use that term? I'm saved. What you are saying is far more comprehensive than you actually think. Because often you think that being saved simply means I'm saved from my sins in the judicial and the objective and positional sense that I am no longer in danger of going to hell. Am I making some sense? But what you really need to know is that salvation is a comprehensive rescue from a deterioration process of that which was not only stolen, but left to decay and rot and perish if somebody didn't retrieve it, bring it back, and restore it to a pristine condition. Did you get that? So you know, somebody can print me a nice, wonderful, beautiful t-shirt that says, I'm under restoration. Did you get that? You, you may not like me now, but I'm under restitution. <laughs> I was defrauded. I was stolen and I was left to perish, but somebody rescued me. That's the term for salvation. Rescued me from a perishing state and I am presently under restitution. Am I making some sense? This is a restitution process that's taking place here that Peter is talking about. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful concept worthy of meditating upon. And in fact, The word, I'm going to bore you with the original word just for a moment, more or less just because it's a powerful term. This this word don't mean anything to you. Don't, 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 don't let this word mean, don't let it bother you, okay? There are three words here. Apocatastasis. Almost sounds like a food dish. Apocatastasis. Give me some apocatastasis, man. Give me some. I am under restitution. I am being restored. I am under restitution. I am being restored. I am property. Every believer is property. Do you believe that? I am property that was lost. And not only was I lost, I was in a condemned state, rotting. So not only was I outside of the sphere of my original owner, but I was in a state of decay. Like a precious jewel, a precious garment, a precious resource of which the Bible says every believer is, we are God's peculiar treasure. Do you believe that? I am the crown jewel of the God of glory. I know I don't look like it. 
but I am the crown jewel of God's glory. I am one of those fine pieces of jewelry that fits in his crown, which glows and glitters and splendorously displays God's grace in my life, not to you, but to him. Are you hearing me? And this is the way the Old Testament closes out. I love it because we got to go there in a moment because the, the Old Testament is tied to the new in this term of restitution. Now, I know, you know, you and I, we look like we look and we act like we act. But we talked about this in women's theology class last night. There's more to us than what appears. But if you're superficial, if you are existential, if you are secular, if you are carnal, all you see is what you see on the outside. But tell the pearl of great price that's clothed in a knotty shell that has no external beauty that we should desire it, what it looks like. And it will tell you that it is glorious. Only it's glorious on the inside. Am I making some sense? See, this is the mystery of the gospel that we rejoice in as the people of God because God has revealed to us who we are in Christ. Now, a pearl in its shell has no external beauty. It requires knowledge to know what you got on the inside. If you and I get caught up like carnal, earthly, uh, secular people do in external beauty, we're going to have to put on a facade to make people think we're something of value. It's called a schema. S-C-H-E-M-A. Take the A off and put the E there and we have a what? Scheme. And that's what superficial do. people do. They put on a scheme. They put on an appearance. They put on the fool's gold of glitter and make people think that they're worth something based upon empirical sight. Well, what God is saying to his people is that you are a hidden treasure whose beauty is inwardly, profoundly inwardly, and where you will find your satisfaction is to maintain your focus on the inward beauty. Because the inward beauty is where the work really is. And it will not be manifested on a public level until the restitution of all things. Am I making some sense? In in other words, the, the, the pearl of great price inside the shell is closed. And you will never see the pearl pushing open the shell so it can shine to everybody. Hey, look at me. But see, that's what we do in this carnal world. But that pearl must wait for the one who has purchased it to take it out, separate it from its indigenous culture, and then clean it up by opening up that shell and showing the inward beauty. And that's what will happen in what we call the glorification. Am I making some sense? So I can go into the analogy of the shell Uh, of the pearl with regards to the nature in which that pearl is developed and matured through the difficulty and the abrasiveness of the sand and all that's taking place in the mucous membrane inside the the, the pearl shell. All of that is rich in its theology and implications of how you and I grow by grace and through sufferings and through the humility of our physical life. You guys understand that? That's why we say before honor is humility. Before honor is humility. It's not our time to shine. But in terms of the restitution, there are three words. And the first are what we call two prepositions, apple, 
not Apple, A-P-P-L-E, Apple, okay? The other one is kata, and then stasi. Stasis is our root verb. It means to stand, stasis. It's the term that speaks to the resurrection. The idea is that of something having fallen and then being picked up again and made to stand upright. Well, you are listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Closing out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know how the program encourages you in your walk with Christ. Questions, comments, prayer requests are always welcome. You can either write to us, give us a call, or stop by our website and drop us an email. Now, the best place to go, of course, is the website. Not only will you be able to write to us via email, you'll be able to get more information about who we are, what we believe, worship times, how to get here. Grace-Bible.com is our website. Again, that's Grace-Bible.com. If you wish to give us a call, the number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, our address is 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street. Here in Hayward, the zip code 94541. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. One final note as we close out our time today, this program is listener-supported. If you wish to partner with us, we would be more than grateful. This broadcast airs throughout the Bay Area, as well as online, impacting thousands for the sake of Christ. And that is our hope and our goal. If you'd like to partner with us along those lines, feel free to write or give us a call. No gift is too large, no gift too small, whether a one-time gift or a monthly support. You're more than welcome to reach out. We would love to partner with you as we minister the gospel of Jesus to the Bay Area and the World Wide Web. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.